This week's episode of Lawyer Up is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash lawyer up. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Yes, Rick Foster. I need to uh, ask you something. What is that? Do you think? Do you think that that it's time? What? Uh, what kind? I what think, kind of time? I think it's showtime. Showtime. Let's start it. It, it is showtime. Let's start the show. Jackie Hearn, how have you been? I've been all right. We we're getting a little ridiculous with that. Intro. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was good though. I like it. That catchphrase will never get old. It, I'll tell no, you that I know. Much. You're right. You're right. I, Eventually. Eventually, I'm going to grow my hair back, and I'm going to slick it back, and, and just... It's showtime! It's showtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So here we are. We're, t- we're talking episode eight of Better Call Saul, titled Rico, which, surprisingly, it, again... I was wrong! It's okay. It's a prediction. You can just, you know... <laughs> yeah, I feel kind of foolish about it, but we'll talk about that. But but what did you think of the episode overall? I... Well, what do you think I thought of it? I, I think you're going to say it's the best one out of the entire series, but I think, in my in my opinion, it's definitely one of the weaker ones, uh, oh. you know, uh, just because it. I think you have that expectation meter of like, oh, it's only going to get better and better, and once it doesn't hit that threshold, you're oh. just kind of disappointed. Mm. But I, it's still a good episode. I, I just think it's one of those, if you set your expectations too high, you're eventually, you're going to get disappointed. Interesting. Overall, it was a very good episode. How about you? I definitely loved it. I'm really now finding a hard time figuring out which one I like the most. This is definitely high up there for the pretty much kind of the same reasoning I gave last week, which was it really told us that story of what Jimmy character, Jimmy's character was about and what really was important to him and this episode we really got into his his sense of his work work ethic his sense of mission and why becoming an attorney and doing something good for people is important to him and not only that now he's finally starting to make chuck and kim proud which is something that is so damn important to jimmy so i like that however i I'm getting a little concerned that the episodes are not connected as much as I would like. And I'm probably only saying that because of being a Breaking Bad fan. Those shows really, one led into the other and were, you know, less procedural as this is kind of becoming. Although I do think we're going to see the Kettlemans again. So I don't think, I don't, I think this is just because the season is starting or the series is starting. They need to establish all of these different motives and sort of background of character and mindset that is going to be important in the long run. So I think, I think, I think it's kind of like a, a train that's slowly starting and it's going to get faster and faster and, and, and speed up as we move into the second season. And, and that's what I was going to ask. Do you think maybe because it's the opening season where they're kind of laying this groundwork and maybe we've touched on this before, mm-hmm. uh, do you think it's good that they aren't doing the procedural route? Of, you know, trying to connect everything. Maybe maybe for the first season, because even Breaking Bad, when it first started, it wasn't necessarily procedural uh, when it came to the first season. Mm. Towards the end, it did. The now, when they're trying to lay this character groundwork, and for the most part, it seems that it is procedural-ish. For the most part, mm. it seems like these, the first four and the second four uh, are definitely connected, 100%. Now, would you need to see the first four to get the last four? Maybe not. But it seems that it is going this route of okay, we're not we're not there yet to try and connect the puzzles and the dots and, and everything like that. Uh and I think that's okay to to be itself mm-hmm. right now. If that makes sense. I do I do too, and you know, I I've said it this is something I've s i keep saying is that I just I trust the writers and creators so much that I, I'm i not stressed out about where it's going. And I think maybe it's kind of just my reaction to people that I know 
um, maybe friends of mine who absolutely love Breaking Bad, but really haven't given the show a chance yet because they've dismissed it as a spinoff or they say that I saw the first episode and it moved too slowly. And I, you know, and I think it's because of that, that I, I, I expected the first episode to be exactly the way the first episode went. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I want this, I want them to work hard and building up a really solid foundation that's going to make me care so much about the complexity of these characters and, and how they interact. Now, do you think maybe, uh, I feel like we have this conversation every couple of I know weeks. we do. Uh, I do. I know. Uh, um, you- and, and we'll get to the main discussion of the, of the episode in a second, but do you think maybe that people are just waiting uh, until they get a backlog of episodes? Because that's true. Uh, um, because Breaking Bad, as much as everybody loves it, and as much as I love it, much as you love it, as much as everybody across America loves it, <laughs> uh, it's we love it. It wasn't it wasn't a gr- you know a ratings draw until the end. Yeah, and, and uh, I think a lot of it has to do with okay, you know, a lot these episodes are up, and now I'm ready to to pound to pound through it, and I think it's gonna benefit from you know having the the allotted episodes, you know, waiting for people to watch next year oh. uh, because next year, because right now, I don't know. We'll play a little bit of inside trade stuff. You know, it's 10 episodes this year mm-hmm. and then 13 next mm-hmm. year. Now, obviously if you Netflix will put it up the week before it airs mm-hmm. next year, the hope like every show that they put up on netflix people uh, binge those yeah they'll binge those and they'll be ready for the premiere and i think season two will be the test of you know okay this is people are starting to get it now people have watched you know whatever and i'm not a ratings guy because i think it's a biased system whatever Mm -hmm. but it's i think people are poo-pooing on it right now because they are waiting to get the entire story before they they make the judge the judgment is that is that a fair assessment? I think, you, I, think? I think you're spot on. I think you're absolutely. I think that's exactly what it is. And I kind of envy those people who get to spend that day or a couple of days of binging the show because I th- I and I've been thinking about that episode by episode. That God, I would love to just you know run right through it all at once. And I and I really wish. I could get all shows like that. Uh, you know, like I, I do a, a podcast on the House of Cards. And I, with my co-host, my co-host, uh, Roberto Villegas, who was a guest on the show, he he watches it episode by episode. And I feel like, wow, you are so, you are so uh, willpowered. Yeah, yeah, he has complete control and I don't. And, uh, and, and I envy him. And but it also makes it difficult to talk about the show piece by piece because I know what's happening, and he doesn't. And uh, <laughs> so it's it's it. But but it's also it's also very interesting. And we worked it out that that's exactly like how it should be done with these shows that do come out all at once because it's, it's it's like a whole new world, uh, you know, a whole new uh, <laughs> way of watching television that I think we're going to see. For now on, I think I think we're only going to have more and more and more of it that we're not going to have that typical must-see TV Thursday mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. It's, it's going to be more of this. Yeah, no, I envy people who are doing that. So if you're listening to this in the summer or, or let's say next, what, what would this be like December of, of 2015, mm-hmm. you're listening to this now to try to catch up. Uh, oh, you're so lucky. Um, yes, and and tell me about the future when while you're at it. Uh, you, in the year two thousand. Oh no, wait. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's start off with our discussion of the episode. Uh, one of the things I would like to touch on is, I mean, we've talked about the entire season how Jimmy is taking care of Chuck. Chuck's been in this huge uh, electromagnetic funk. Here he is doing the opposite. He's taking care of Jimmy 100% -hmm. when it comes to Jimmy left all of his case files. Part of it was for him to to get back in the game almost. Uh, He used the term Tom Sawyer him. I'm very, I haven't read Tom Sawyer in a long time, so I kind of missed the reference. Uh, over the head oh. because I'm a dummy. So maybe you can explain that to me. Oh well, uh, t- Tom Sawyer, he gets uh, he gets. Uh, oh God, yeah, no, no, it's really rough. But um, <laughs> no, it's about painting the fence. 
he okay he, yes is it huckleberry finn or am i confusing the stories that he gets him to paint the fence because he's he's enjoying it so much and it's right there he's like oh this is so much fun you should you should paint the fence and mm-hmm. so you know he gets somebody to basically paint the fence for him which was his job and his job is obviously to fill out all these uh wills uh the 515s or the 512s whatever it is and um and he knows bringing them over to Chuck's house is going to get Chuck kind of motivated. To at least, I was going to say, to at least look at him. Yeah. Whether Whether he does them or not, it's it's a different story. But he did them all. And then uh, when it comes to Jimmy dumpster dives uh, and then, you know, fails. And then he just goes to the uh, recycling bin and grabs all of the shredded paper. And, you know, as Jimmy, which, by the way, that sequence when he's he has the light. And he's trying to figure, you know, everything out. And he's just like, ah, you know what? This is taking too long. And it gets morning. He falls asleep and Chuck does most of the work for him. And uh, it, it was it was a very fun role reversal because Jimmy was for the entire series uh, has been taking care of Chuck. And now it's the the other side of the coin, which I think is a very I think it's a very interesting story just for somebody who's electromagnetic and can't outside and, you know, deal with electricity. It was a very fun role reversal. And I think that role reversal is going to stop and they're going to become uh, partners uh, from, from it seems like, uh, it looks like. You know, that was my thought in the previous episode. I believe it was Bingo when Jimmy was looking into getting that office facility and he showed that corner room. My very first thought, well, I don't know, you could kind of quickly tell by the chemistry between Kim and Jimmy that he was interested in getting Kim on as a partner. But I also think that he completely planned for it to be uh, Wexler. Wexler, McGill, McGill, or McGill, McGill, Wexler. You know, I think he really wanted his brother in as a partner as well. You know that he doesn't want his brother to stay with Hamlin. Oh no, not not at all. Especially because it seems like the McGill portion of of the law firm is uh, second fiddle as far as being partners and everything. It seems like everything has to run through Hamlin before before McGill. And why don't we kind of talk about the the cold open? Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we we go back into flashback mode for these cold opens, which is a very great device that these these writers use mm-hmm. to to build backstory for Jimmy because obviously we know what he becomes, but to to give the the details of like okay, this is why uh he hates Hamlin mm-hmm. and I know you you wanted to talk about just how Hamlin has always been a dick to Jimmy, yeah, well, I love the absolute the whole bit of. Uh, Jimmy being the mailroom clerk through this whole scenario from the very beginning. You know, I've worked in offices for, well, I haven't in several years, but I used to work in offices all the time. And I love the office culture that comes through where at the very beginning, Jimmy is the mail clerk handing out the mail. And he, you know, he comes by maybe once, maybe twice a day to all of these people in the office and gives them their their mail. He knows their name, but they don't really have a chance to have a conversation. And I I don't know if you ever experienced this too, where I know that I have, where I had an office and somebody would come by, you know, either to uh, take out the trash or bring the mail. You only have that one little second to talk to them. So you can't get really engrossed in a conversation, but you, so then you feel bad because all of your other coworkers nearby, you know them well because you see them all day long, but you see this one person only a couple minutes a day and that was Jimmy. Jimmy comes by, some of them just mouth, thank you. Some of them don't even say anything. And it's all that typical, hey, how you doing? How's your weekend? Or, you know, and, that, and that's it. And, and, but then, so it's, it's, it's that kind of like very insincere greeting where, you know, you greet someone and when you ask them how you're doing, you expect them to say, I'm doing great. How are you? And who really cares? Uh, it, it's just, it was such a sad, I don't know how they can make Jimmy any more humble <laughs> and uh yeah very he was very humble he you know it's just like hey you know yes sir no sir you he asked uh, first off he didn't even tell his brother that he was doing the bar yes or anything lawyer-esque i think he went to uh 
an online school for for his uh, pre law degree stuff. Yeah, and, uh, America Samoa. It, uh, yeah, uh, go land crabs is the <laughs> their their symbol of of the school. Yeah, and I think it was great that you know he did this stuff for. It seemed like he did it for himself, not you know for he didn't do it for for Chuck. He didn't do it for Cam. He didn't do it for. Hamlin Hamlin McGill, obviously. He did it to better himself. Yeah. And Chuck was very proud of him. Obviously, Kim was very proud of him. Just by that kiss <laughs> uh, that that she laid on him. Hamlin is, is the guy that, you know, it seemed like he wants nothing to do with, oh, uh, but, with him at but, all. But didn't you love that scene? And it, it kind of resembles the one we had last week where there's dialogue that we can't hear, but we know exactly what's going on. And poor Jimmy, he has the celebration party in the mailroom. They have him, they got him cake and he has balloons and congratulations in the back wall. And Hamlin comes in and basically picks up a piece of cake and tells him, as we can kind of gather, he's telling him, oh, hey, I talked to your brother. He told me you passed the bar. That Oh, that's great. Terrific. But, you know, we can't take you on as an attorney right now. And, you know, that's just... We, it's that would be impossible of course and we know you understand and he what and then and then you finally get di dialogue as he's walking out and he says thanks for, let's reassess let's reassess thanks for understanding and jimmy doesn't really say anything and you can tell he's kind of heartbroken by that reaction but i mean what an asshole this guy hamblin is for coming in and breaking up his cake party in the mail room of all places i i just thought that was like crummy as could be it was it's very crummy, but on the other uh, side of the coin, do you think that it it's true that you know they didn't need another lawyer, I, or do you think it just because doing it in that way of just you know crashing the party and mm. kind of uh, bringing them back down? Do you think maybe it just would have been maybe he just doesn't know how to give news? That's uh, it, you know, you would... very socially awkward when it comes to giving news and things like that. It it just could be a case of that. Uh, it it is definitely one or the other. Definitely, either he he saw the prime opportunity to take him down a little bit of his high horse for getting passing the bar, or maybe he just d didn't think enough of it because he didn't know what was going he walks in he says what's going on here and kim says oh just a little celebration for the new attor newest attorney in new mexico so maybe he was just looking for jimmy to have this conversation he thought well i'm gonna go ahead, go ahead and have it now i mean i guess at least he cleared the room and didn't embarrass mm -hmm. him in front of everyone now do you think maybe it, it was not only a message to jimmy but a message to their entire mail room if you want to do this stuff great but you know it won't matter to me because you're still going to be a male guy you, you know no matter what uh, it could be you know i had my notes uh i was questioning i was trying to figure out what it was that was actually the conversation that was going on in the back obviously this is not it because it's going to a little too far but i thought that there was a possibility that what he was telling jimmy is maybe he was fired <laughs> because uh, you know it makes sense because it could sound like he was he could say hey now that you're an attorney we can't have you here unless you work as an attorney because, you know, I mean, because I would imagine some law firms would run into a problem by hiring a, an attorney to just to deliver the mail mm -hmm. because he could very well misrepresent himself that he's an attorney and he also works at, you know, Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. You know, that, that kind of crossed my mind, but I think that that's going a little too far obviously from the rest of the episode it didn't come out that way that he was fired in any way but 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 at some point he leaves he doesn't stay as the as the mail clerk he goes off on his own and works in the nail salon <laughs> or out of, out of the nail <laughs> yes. salon yeah it, it's still it's still kind of unclear on whether he became a lawyer mm. at hamlin hamlin mcgill because in the open in the opening of the series yes he is representing chuck i just don't Maybe it's just because it's been a long time and I've, you know, been hitting the school bug and the school bug has been hitting me in the face. But I don't remember them ever acknowledging him being a, a lawyer as well I don't, at the firm. I, I, I don't believe he ever was. Uh, I think you're I think you're right. And that's the other thing is I, I love Kim's reaction that she was so happy. Like you said, he they, she immediately kissed him. And I kind of think that she put that party together. But th that kind of leads into this whole uh, relationship between Kim and Jimmy. Uh, I think it's very clear that they are 
still together, but they are just in in this kind of uh, mm-hmm. enemy territory portion of their relationship. Or it's very, very Bluetonic. Kim laying that kiss on Jimmy and, you know, just everything uh, falling from, I think it was Jimmy's hands. And then it just led into, you know, this part in this whole conversation. Even Jimmy gave Kim the envelope. It was just like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do it. I yeah, can't look, yeah. You know, whatever. That was very boyfriend, girlfriendish, mm. you know, super close friends thing to do there. Very sweet. It kind of leads into the middle of the episode where uh, Jimmy calls Kim for help and it's just like, I need all these case files. And she's like, man, it's just gonna. I'm about to go home. What do you know? I'm not going to do this. And, and who's going to uh, pay for it? Come on. Who's going to pay for it? You know, she's, <laughs> but she's willing to bend over backwards for him. Not only because, you know, yes, Jimmy did. owe, or, you know, Kim owed Jimmy, uh, for, you know, bringing the Kettleman's to basically her doorstep, but also it, Kim still cares for Jimmy a hundred percent whether part of it is probably not shown because they don't work at the same place anymore I think they're still together they're still trying to figure out what they are I think everybody's had a relationship where they've been really close friends with somebody and it's just like well you know we're great friends we we love each other and everything Mm -hmm. but right now we just we're not ready for that label or I don't want that label I mean you know all that stuff has I think everybody has lived that type of scenario. Sure. And I think we're seeing this stuff play out on television, that they both love each other. They both want to be with each other. It's just that the circumstances now uh, just don't Yeah, uh, and the best romantic relationships, I believe, uh, and where you actually... I mean, I know people say you can't be friends afterwards, but, you know, my thoughts in my life, you do remain friends you may remain best friends you may remain great friends afterwards um but you know uh you know so i kind of see that that you know they had a little bit of a romantic thing that you know uh because of the circumstances and actually i think you can kind of see that as we're moving back into this kimmy jimmy subject is that during when they're in that copying room or the mail room you know when hamlin walks in and says what's going on and the way she kind of her body language changes is similar to the way it changed when Hamlin showed up at the hospital to see Chuck. You know, she she immediately went and stood next to Hamlin. She's really conscious of making Hamlin not question whether or not she's in a relationship with Jimmy, you know, or where her loyalties land. She's very concerned about that. Now, do you think mainly it's because Hamlin, Hamlin McGill, is she's in debt to him? And to give off that vibe of, I'm playing for the other team, when almost set Kim back again or yeah it's self-survival because I mean she said last week that about that office um that she would be all up in that if she were the partner but she says you know I can't do that so she's just being like realistic about not ruining what she's worked for I think she's I think that's why Jimmy and Kimmy are very similar is that they they have this ambition for their career and they want to get to a certain place and they they're not going to screw it up. So let's let's move on from from the the greatest couple in uh, <laughs> in Breaking Bad history. Don't want to say don't want to say that too too loud, otherwise we'll get you know a lot of voicemails saying how I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> J- Jimmy being public defender, you know, or old old person defender savior for sandpiper defending these old people once again and he's taking this elderly lawyer thing seriously when it seemed like it was just going to be a th- you know a gag of of all this 140 stuff 140 dollars a pop <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's i mean for one he's being really nice to to old people that necessarily don't have all the money on hand and he's he's giving away free jello he's joking with with guests i mean he's like uh, you know like the the old man that was sleeping and he's just like oh i'm gonna leave him a surprise for him in his pocket and you know he just drops a business card in there and to the point where the old lady that makes this will of like hey when i get my allowance and then he leaves he's just like 100 bucks now wait a second allowance he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and and that leads to his first major case yes the kettlemans were a case but it, it 
in reality, you know, once all that stuff is wrapped up, it's no longer a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And as much as you say that you think the Kettle Months are return, I don't know if that's going to happen, especially since uh, you want to talk about one of the main things that that's uh, has a, something in common with the, one of your favorite shows that what they do. Oh, oh, well, yeah, it, the, the, we're now we, we have now moved from the Kettlemans into the Sandpiper Crossings Retirement Home issue, and I I I thought about it as an afterthought. Jimmy comes into the main office uh, to check in, sign in to see Miss Landry. I think believe her name was. And on the screen, we have segued from the Kettleman's where Hamlin insists that, that Kimmy drop everything. She's busy unpacking because he forced her to move around her offices. And he says, come on, bask in the glory. Come with me and to do this p- press conference where they talk about settling the Craig uh, Kettleman issue uh, on television. And it's going to be broadcast. So you kind of expect to see Kimmy in the background on the television. She's not even there. Like, what, what is she basking in the glory of watching Hamlin get all the credit? And anyways, but it's on a television and in the background in that office. And you see Jimmy watching that. And then he he turns over and starts talking to the receptionist and signs in. And I thought that that was kind of a nod to the way Mr. Show. I mean, Mr. Show did it much more. Like, Bob... Bob Odenkirk and David Cross would definitely say that this would be one, this would be an example of an extreme way for them to find a segue was to just put a TV in a corner with the previous scene on the television, segueing into the next scene. But they did that all the time. And that was like such a struggle for Mr. Show was to segue one sketch into the next, but every single one did. And that's one of the things I thought was brilliant about Mr. Show. And that's in another sketch show. We talked about this beforehand. Was the, the, the state. state? The state did that as well, mm-hmm. where they would uh, they would move on from a different sketch into another sketch, and you know it would everything would blend together, but not blend together. And uh, the Ben Stiller show did that to a degree as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, that doesn't. But yeah, the state definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to me, when watching like the state that does that, I always felt that the tv gag was a a not you know just like oh we gotta do it we somehow. gotta do it somehow just tv tv you know whatever uh com- and i always thought that was their least creative right uh way of moving on yeah but to to me and i i i think you agree as well this is a very great way to be like okay so the kettleman's thing it's right here all right we're done with that yeah uh now we're on to this thing. It works so and, much better in the show than it would in a sketch comedy. A sketch comedy, which is only 30 minutes an episode, uh, you would expect that from, but you know, d- but this, mm-hmm. this is, th- this kind of shows m- would be much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very nice, not one, very nice, not to it's a nod. two, two. It's a very, a very, like I said, a very great way to be like, okay, so we've done this arc that has lasted half half of our order mm-hmm. and and now i think we've told that story and this is a very nice bow the guy's going to jail the money is found and that's it it's over i do uh, i do hope we see betsy kettleman back at some point um and, and i would think but maybe but maybe it, you're right i mean and if 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 that's what that segue meant i mean maybe it was a not a, a not a, not only a nod but a message to us that we're, you know, it was a very we nice are bow. Now, yeah, it's a clear bow. So maybe it's a clear message to us that we are moving now into another segment of this story. Mm-hmm. And and we'll get into, you know, the the ending. But I mean, just just the way Jimmy uh, Jimmy just defending the old the old people when he comes back a second time <laughs> after he after he has a little powwow. Of discussing uh, everything yeah. on their on their bill, almost mm-hmm. they're getting basically to to break it down to Rick's a dum dum terms. They are getting overbilled for for things that you can get for pennies on the dollar. For example, toilet paper. One roll of toilet paper is like fourteen three bucks. Yeah, right. Three four bucks uh, compared to you can get a, a roll of toilet paper for fifty cents to a dollar. Right. That's somewhere else. They are they are getting frauded uh, into paying more than they should. 
and Jimmy witnesses the when he comes back a second time where <laughs> the they <shredding>. start. <laughs> yes, they start going into panic mode, and uh, Jimmy, uh, you would know more about this stuff. Oh, okay. Well, what I thought was great was that Jimmy immediately knew that he had to right away write a, a legal notice, a, a demand, uh, to the uh, the retirement home, stating that he was going. To, he's looking into this. Um, that that they shall not destroy any records related to this case because that is a violation of the discovery rule. Uh, which, you know, is is a felony and obviously would cost them time. They would definitely be going to prison if 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 because basically under the discovery rule, if you think that there's going to be some if or anticipate some kind of legal action based off of some event or issue, you are not allowed. You're you're supposed to freeze all of the records in your possession. Um, you're also supposed to have what is called a records retention schedule. So you're supposed to be keeping records at a certain time and only shredding and disposed of them in accordance to that schedule. But if you get a load, specifically if you get a notice from an attorney that they're going to look into something, everything has to be frozen. This goes back to like the whole Enron thing. Mm -hmm. You know, then there was a whole e-discovery rule dealing with electronic records. But anyways, I'm bored. I, I think I've just bored all her whole yeah. audience away. And, and you know what? But and, I love the way that he knew that he had to do it quickly. Ran to the bathroom, used toilet paper, whatever it took. And yeah, and and the military has a, a a you know a thing in place saying you have to keep these records for so many for so long before you can discard. Yeah, them retention and things like yeah, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, it's very surprisingly, it is a very common rule mm -hmm. and for a retention schedule to somehow happen. Yeah, I mean, they can shred records, uh, and they should, particularly if they have social security numbers and all the bank account numbers and all that, if it's sensitive information. But it has to be done in a systematic way. And all, and that goes not only with uh, government, federal government, state and local government, but with corporations too. However, they have to have some kind of system so that when an attorney shows up and requests something like this they have to prove and show well yeah we did shred those records but it was because you didn't say anything to us we did not anticipate litigation and it met its retention so like that's how that whole thing worked. anyways i love that just because it kind of relates to the, the the consulting work that i do and i think that that um it was brilliant the way that because you know i'm kind of questioning how good of an attorney jimmy really is because he did it, you know, uh, by... Well, he wrote it on toilet paper and, and thingy <laughs> and the back of, of the binding. Of... It happens. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Uh, but I, you have to wonder how how much of that was filled with with notes that were needed or, or something like that. I, I, I find it hard to believe that Jimmy used all of that stuff lawyer stuff i'm sure there was times at the nail <laughs> right. salon where he was bored as shit and he's just sketching out matlock and what matlock looks looks like mm -hmm. well yeah exactly didn't didn't he use use a piece of paper mm -hmm. to, it was a yellow to, pad that he yeah to sketch out what he looks like what matlock looks like you know so <laughs> part of it is is a bad play on jimmy for for him to you know fuck around uh, <laughs> yeah, right. with that with that uh, but he got the job done for the most part. Yeah. And we'll, before we continue on with uh, the, the huge uh, discussion, let's thank our sponsor, Audible. For our listeners of the Lawyer Up podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give an opportunity to check out their service. And when you get there, I know when I get to Audible, there's a, a loads and loads of books that you can choose from, about 150,000, and I get overwhelmed on, on what to pick. And so uh, Jackie and I kind of have a, you know, picks of our own mm -hmm. to, to maybe you can check out uh, and not get overwhelmed when you get to Audible of like, I have this free thing, I don't know what to use. So Jackie, why, why, not, why don't you go on and... Um, well, a book that I listened to a couple months ago uh, while I was cleaning up, and it was awesome. It was about six hours long. 
uh, and, you know, I love to plug the comedy books, but this one is titled One More Thing, Stories and Other Stories by B.J. Novak. You may remember him as playing Ryan Howard on the U.S. office. It's a bunch of short stories, comedy stories, and but the great, one of the great things is he brought in a lot of his friends, comedians, some many people from the office in to read a chapter. Uh, he's got Rain Wilson, Jenna Fisher, Mindy Colleen, uh, Lena Dunham, who plays, who wrote, created, and stars in the HBO series uh, Girls. Anyways, they all read a chapter. It's hilarious stuff. A good listen while you're trying to do something else. And uh, anyways, I highly recommend it. I mean, while we're, we're talking about comedies, one of my picks is uh, the playbook Suit Up, Score Chicks, Be Awesome. If you, a couple weeks ago, uh, I think it was like episode two of our podcast, I recommended another book by Barney Stinson. It was called The Bro Code, which was rules to, you know, being friends with your bro and, and you know, just rules to abide. Not to play off the, the Big Lebowski. But anyways, <laughs> the playbook Suit Up, Score Chicks, Be Awesome is the playbook, if you ever seen How I Met Your Mother, is the playbook that Barney Stinson uses to get all of his conquests, uh, all of his chicks. Uh, there's, you can, he's published them uh, in an audiobook form and in print form to where if you yourself have problems hooking up with a girl, it, he provides all of his plays almost like a, you know, a coach book of, you know, oh, you know, Rip, Liz, you know, run to the left, whatever. There's classic plays like The Astronaut where you pretend that you are going to space tomorrow and you just want to be with somebody before you go to space, play, and if you've ever seen How I Met Your Mother, you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, and if you understand Barney Stinson's character of the guy that is uh, trying to hook up with as many girls as possible, mm. played by played by Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, it's written by Barney Stinson, the character, and uh, Matt Coon, who I suspect uh, was a writer on the show, and it's narrated by Barney Stinson. So you. You double get Barney Stinson. You get his voice and you get his uh, written material uh, for the plays. Uh, Jackie's giving me this confused look on how I'm so misogynist and how <laughs> I am not and everything. Oh, but but if you if you like uh, a comedy and just listen to outrageous plays to to run to get girls, uh, the playbook suit up score chicks be awesome is a fine recommendation to listen to. Now, you don't have to listen to my misogynist book. Uh, you can actually pick uh, one of my, you know, one of our, your own recommendation. Like I said, 150,000 titles Audible has. And uh, they have WhisperSync, which WhisperSync, if you have the print form, you can, you can read the book. And then if you have the audio book, you can jump to an iPod and you can listen. You can, where you left off in the print book. And and like I said, over 150,000 titles. All you have to do is just go to audibletrial.com slash lawyer up and you will get a free credit and a 30 day free trial. And like I said, you can access it on your PC, iPhone, Android device, or Kindle device. Uh, www.audibletrial.com slash lawyer up. Terrific. You had a point about Chuck as we were talking pre show about. That whole situation where, and I've got it in the notes because I'm going to forget his name, the attorney for Sandpipe, Sandpiper, Rich uh, Sh Schwerkart of Schwerkart and Coakley. Anyways, he confronts, uh, or he calls Jimmy when Jimmy is in a dumpster. Oh, hilarious. And we'll get into that if we have time. But he he calls him in to Chuck's house to meet with Chuck and Jimmy. And what what were your thoughts about Chuck at Chuck's interaction with this case and where he was helping Jimmy out? Uh, I think it's great. Uh, for the for the most part, Jimmy he's very new at this case stuff. Mm -hmm. It's very clear he doesn't know where to go to get help, or I shouldn't say help. He doesn't, but even have a subscription to Westlaw, which is why he has to call in the request from Kim. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes. any attorney would definitely spend the money to get access to Westlaw. Which, which, if I understand right, uh, Westlaw is just a, a backlog of previous cases. Yeah, it's an online that... uh, uh, online source uh, where you you obviously have to pay a subscription, but you can get 
almost, you know, particularly within the last several decades, most of the, well, I would say the vast majority of all Supreme Court cases have been scanned. So you can get all of the, the instrument, legal instruments that have been submitted in those court cases. So you can get everything behind any kind of court case instantly on a computer um, and print it out if you wish. That way, yeah, that way, you don't have to go to the library or to the Library of Congress or or, or the the National Archives to pull the actual physical documents. Now, if I understand correctly, that it's you know Jimmy is it's unbelievable how he's gotten this new you know this new case and almost a newfound confidence. Yeah, from Chuck, and it seems like Chuck almost wants to take over. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, he's ready to take over and do all this stuff. And I don't know why it's just so weird to me that all of a sudden out of the blue, Chuck is, Oh, I'm ready to go. You know, let's do this. I mean, for, it was very out of the blue when they were discussing all this stuff. Chuck is in a daze. He doesn't, you know, it's just like, really people are coming over and mm -hmm. we're actually going to do this thing. And, and then all of a sudden, I don't know where he's just like, you know, because they, they discuss terms and it's just like, well, first they give the offer of $100,000 right. to, to cover everything. Uh, and they're just like, no harm, no foul, whatever, 100000 Take it. We're good. No. And, you know, they bring up the RICO stuff, which the RICO stuff is, or if I remember right, ordering syringes out of state, which is not allowed in New Mexico law. Mm. Uh, because it's brought up so, first off, it's brought up so fast and it's a very... It's a tension type of scene of just like, do you, cause you're expecting the lawyers just to be like, okay, this, you know, funny haha, -ha, we're in a dark place. Chuck is still in trouble or, you know, hurt. This is going nowhere. I, we're going to squash you type scenario. And again, he's just like, okay, so this Rico stuff here, this is what it is, whatever. And they're like, oh shit. Uh, well, if we were to like pay this away, uh, how much would it cost? And I think. Jimmy is about to throw out a reasonable number and Chuck's just like $20 million. And it's like, what? Like, yeah. 20 million? 20 million? And you think, and, and, and he hasn't said a word and all of a sudden he, yes. Yeah. 20 million. Just, you know, oh yeah, 20 million. It's, I, I still don't understand, uh, how 20 million is, is the number that he calculated in this head of just like, oh, 20 million. That's what it is. It's like, why what is your justification for 20 million and apparently the justification was it is multi-state and he feels that they can get more because it's multi-state or something like and, that correct and yes and because he believes that he could this all follows under the rico act which is the racketeering influence and corrupt organization act um, oh. And what this act does, which is I, I, this is why I feel so stupid about my prediction last week. <laughs> but basically, what this act does is it it allows for you to bring a suit against somebody um, who commits. Uh, let's okay, I'm going to read some language so I don't sound totally ridiculous. Um, who commits any two out of uh, a list of 35 crimes that follow under the possibility of racketeering and. So within a decade. So if you if you are found to have committed this crime or multiple similar similar situations, which is the racketeering of these, you know, the, uh, which could cover bribery, extortion, money laundering, counterfeiting, gambling, murder, arson, robbery, kidnapping. There's a list of realm of things, and this happens to fall under it. If that happens, you can just the charge of racketeering alone. There's a fine of twenty five thousand dollars and twenty years in prison. But the kicker is that you can be recharged and recharged over oh. and over in, 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 in a civil court for more charges. So the more individual people who – so there's, there's not going to be a case where, um, you know, when, when someone has a class action lawsuit against a company like, you know, say some kind of um, co uh, packaging company that does handle – mishandles something and you can join a class action lawsuit – um, there's, there's a limit and, and after that, that's it. You've settled it. Um, so if you didn't get in on that class, class action lawsuit, you don't have a chance to get any more money from this company. And if, if they follow under this RICO act, they could be sued over and over and over forever on the same case because of, uh, because it was racketeering. 
So it, it's it's just because so so it was definitely Chuck that found this and realized what this was, and also because it was the interstate and how large it was. This could definitely go over and over. That's I think that's why he was saying this is not just here. This could be everywhere, and we don't know how many more cases there are of this. So, you know, obviously this attorney for uh, Sandpiper, uh, Schwartzhart, <laughs> I'll get it right someday. It's such such an evil uh, law name, by the way, yeah. too. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Very clear that they are the bad guys. Uh, but the other the other thing that's up in the air is that can Chuck even take this case? Yeah. Because oh, good Kim, point. Because Kim, you know, made it clear when she was printing out stuff that, you know. He's got a contract yes, can, with. Yes. You know, he can he can do these pro bono cases. But once it, I think she threw out the number at once it's passed a mill. Um, well, actually, Jimmy threw out it's going to be like a million dollar case. And she's like, well, once it hits that, he can't. Yeah. That's not pro bono at all. Right. Uh, just because, you know, Jimmy doesn't have any lawyer experience by himself doesn't mean he's you know bono uh, work that that he needs to to bring up Mm -hmm. and and so and the other the final thing i want to mention is just out of the blue his his uh thing is cured uh because oh yeah he's he's in the zone he's in the you know just like uh billy hoyle in uh white man can't jump he's in the zone so he was definitely in his head right mm -hmm. yeah i think so i think it's Mm -hmm. because Here's here's my theory, and I, this is my one for for the season. Okay, he I think there was some downtime in the lawyer stuff uh, that oh. he just wasn't doing any lawyer things, and uh, all of a sudden it just he had this free time because he's a big guy now. He had this free time and just he just crumbled because some people sure. just need to be busy to keep busy. To be busy. I I'm and, one of them absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just need to have work, otherwise you'll go insane. Yeah. and I think. Once you hit that level of just like, okay, I'm just a guy that signs the checks. I'm just a guy that delegates things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he he just kind of lost it because, yes, you are the guy that doesn't have a lot of work to do, but you also have to oversee a lot of shit. And I think overseeing and not interfering is, is something that is, he just can't handle. His uh, trick of the trade is being a lawyer. And you know, going into books. And oh, doing you all are that stuff. so right. You're so and, right uh, because the way he he was the one to piece all of those shredded pieces back together while Jimmy was sleeping. Like he mm-hmm. really he got really excited and dove into you know what most big time attorneys would never touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was really in the zone. He, he did all this all this stuff, and he's you know working his ass off, and it he's very it seems. He's happy. Uh, I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, people show emotion different ways, but to me, it seemed like he was really happy getting back into the lawyer stuff. And for him just to go out nonchalantly to, to go get the lawyer box, you know, the box of, of yes. more stuff. And then Jimmy's just like, Chuck, what are you doing? And Chuck just looks down and he's like, oh shit, I'm cured. Did you eat- to me? To me, I think he was just like, "Oh shit, I'm cured. That's it." Yeah. Uh, not you know, oh, I'm gonna freeze up and have a seizure type shit. To me, I think I think he's cured. I think that that was the thing, and he's going to realize he was cured. This is it. And uh, but did you? What did you think? Were you were you scared for for Chuck? Did you think that? You know, he was stepping out for so long, not thinking that all of a sudden he was going to freak out because there was something really wrong. Or, or, or did you think this is evidence that he, it's in his head and his head wasn't in that place at that time. It was, you know, on those codes, he had to get out of the trunk. I don't, I don't think, uh, yeah, I think he was just focused on getting the work done. Mm -hmm. And I think once you're, you're in a different place, when you have other things to do, you know, your, your condition doesn't, doesn't really, you know, come to mind. Uh, one of the big example of not letting your condition get to you is, uh, a kid named Connor, Michael Chuck, Michael Chuck. I think that's his last name. He was a little kid. He had cancer and all that. And he, his father, that's all he's known his kid to, to be, his kid had cancer and he's gonna, he's not gonna have long to live. 
And WWE brought this thing up of like, hey, you know, we want to give this kid a huge weekend of going to WrestleMania, meeting his favorite wrestlers and, you know, Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff. And there's an interview where he's like, this is the first time where I forgot that he had cancer. Uh, And that's just it. Obviously, cancer and electromagnetic stuff isn't necessarily no, 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 no. I know the same, but the concept of just like you know you're in this other place and you just forget about the bad stuff. Yeah, and I think that's what it was with with uh, Chuck. He just he was really in in this other place of being a lawyer and getting work done and being a good person. Maybe that's what it was. McGill at Hamlin Hamlin McGill. He took a case that probably they shouldn't have taken, and uh, it was obvious that they were on the wrong side, whether it was, like, a murder-esque, like, you know, Mm -hmm. OJ did it, but we're fighting for OJ that he didn't do it, stuff like that, and he was on the wrong side of that. Oh, true. And that's what he's just like, oh, oh. Oh, ab- uh, you know, I can't do this anymore. Oh, I love, I love what you just said. Absolutely. I think that that... We're going to find out that that probably is exactly <laughs> it. You know, like, say, having to defend an Enron or something. Um, mm-hmm. Taking a case like that that's meticulous and, and just – and then having to defend, like, some – Getting – Someone who – Getting dirty money. Right. Almost. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you're I, probably right because I bet you anything that's exactly what happened to uh, Chuck. Yeah, I think I think it's very clear, you know, that they were he was just on the wrong side, and uh, it's just been eating at him the entire time. Mm-hmm. Now he's doing something good, uh, defending uh, these old people that kind of gotten taken advantage of, uh, essentially. When the kicker, uh, so- when the kicker be that it had to do with some like big, uh, like a- electric company power plant, like a. You know, like there, there was there's a big lawsuit uh, in California against about the brownouts um, that happened a decade ago. <laughs> you know, like PG&E and and other. Yeah, it wouldn't be kind of funny if it had to do with like oil and resources that d- dealt with electricity. That would be insane. <laughs> That's uh, too to, much to wrap. That's reaching. Yeah, to wrap reaching. that stuff in there. <laughs> uh, uh, so before we uh, sign off for for tonight, uh, let's talk about feedback. We actually got a. A tweet from Mark Shepard. Uh, yeah, no, we were communicating back and forth, and I asked him, hey, can I throw this in the show? Again, Mark Shepard, thank you so much. I, I, and you were right there when the show happened, and uh, we were going back and forth, because I really loved the episode. But he said it was so good, carried lots of strength and hope. The characters ooze with richness. Uh, Vince Gilligan crafts uh, a down-to-earth and quirky world much like our own. Um, I, I think the point is very well made, but you know, a lot of the credit needs to go to the individual writers of each episode, which changes from episode to episode. But uh, yeah, definitely. They have definitely crafted the story that, um, that, 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 that I think we can all relate to because we keep talking about how we can relate to this. Um, Twitter kept our conversation limited, but I, I, I felt like uh, his discussion was definitely something to point out here because I think, a lot of us felt this way that again, we've got another story that's really building this fundamental back, you know, the, the backbone of, of all of these characters are, I don't know what the right word is, but I, you know, and, and you know what, why, why you mentioned, you know, just uh, giving strength and hope. It, it's very clear that uh, Jimmy, uh, when he's dumpster diving, that, that is <sighs> his, his low. Uh, you know, being in the dumpster oh, and he's gosh. looking. He has a piece for, of lettuce junk. hanging off of his mm-hmm. hair. Yeah, and, <laughs> I love you it. know, it's literally his low of you know, mm-hmm. I've I t- I turned away this money and I I could have had it all, and now I'm at this <laughs> this point where I'm you know in a garbage can with diapers, looking f- with diapers and and all this stuff, <laughs> and and I'm trying to to f- help somebody, and that is and that is his low. Like if you can look. That is his low. Uh, he had he could have had it all, and now he's in a dumpster. Can I? And go ahead. No, there was two other things about this dumpster scene that just basically lines that that were said. You know, he gets a phone call from the attorney while he's in the dumpster, and he answers the phone. Jimmy will always voice. answer the phone. And <laughs> not only answer his phone, but he answered it in his. Uh, 
in his voice. Yeah. Of, you know, yeah. Office of James McGill's office. You know, how may I help you call? Oh, and, you know? no, actually, I think he answered it himself, but he said he was at the, and he's like, why are you whispering? And he's like, I'm at the opera. Yeah. <laughs> the magic flute opera. I and, and, and so, like, I went on, you know, to YouTube to listen to a bit of it, the magic flute, just to kind of get a sense of it. And, that is not the kind of music you would expect to hear in that dumpster, <laughs> that setting. And it made it even more comical. Um, so I love that. But, you know, as, 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 as they hang up the phone, the attorney says to him, well, enjoy the magic flute. And, 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 and uh, Jimmy says, you know, I'll blow my, you could blow my yeah, magic. Blow my magic flute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, oh, and so then he gets out of the dumpster and then finds the, uh, the, the recycle bin that has the paper shredded documents in it. <laughs> I just, I loved it. Poor Jimmy. And, it, and J Jimmy, and he kicks the, the dumpster. He keeps kicking everything. In the show, he kicked the uh, trash can inside uh, Hamlin, Hamlin, uh, McGill, and uh, mm -hmm. what did he kick last week? He, or, there was something else he kicked uh, pretty recently, and then now the dumpster. Um, oh, the door. Last week, it was the door. Oh, yeah. So, uh, anyways, kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, so um, that, that, and I loved when he was working with Chuck, and Chuck gives him some thoughts about how the case could go and he says well don't go off half cocked and he goes uh, what was it? no i'm going full cocked <laughs> or yeah. something anyways but that, that oh. was great too <laughs> but anyways oh oh and the card fairy one last thing promise you this is it the yeah. card fairy uh he when he's handing out those business cards to those people and he mm -hmm. says here's a card from the card fa fairy and i was thinking of this um the sketch or this sketch thing that we're familiar with called the animal fairy. It's like, hello, it's me, the card fairy. Uh, but there's a, there's a movie playing in the background. And so of course I looked it up, found <laughs> out what it was called and actually, uh, watched it. And it's called bell book and candle. And it's, uh, Jimmy Stewart, Kim Novak and Jack lemon. And, I watched that stupid movie, and it had. Wait, whoa, whoa, you watched the whole entire movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was Holy doing, smoke. I was doing other things. Okay. It has okay. no relevant. It makes no reference to the show at all whatsoever. It's basically about a woman who's a witch and her brother Jack Lemon, who's a witch. They want to write a book, and Jimmy Stewart's a book publisher. Apparently, there's some beatnik type clubs of movies circa 1958. There's some beatnik clubs in New York. Manhattan that are just crawling with witches and warlocks. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> no relevance. Just in I'm, case you were wondering. But but I I'm I'm so glad you're here. That <laughs> well to, to save time. For well, it. no, I mean I looked at that because it was Jimmy Stewart, and because of what I brought up last week about the the mirror, uh, I mean rear rear window, um, the Hitchcock movie that they seem to be giving nods to and i thought well here's james stewart and it's it's an old film and you know they keep playing jimmy up as this matlock kind of character and not only that um kimmy kind of looks like kim novak so i i don't know i thought that there's got to be something there's something here and no there's not don't waste your time thank thank you for, for watching <laughs> you're that welcome movie. i really appreciate it <laughs> no problem uh, so so if you want to uh get dive dive into dumpsters and and leave us some feedback uh please uh leave us a voicemail at uh, 505-750-1760 you can also email us at lawyeruppodcast at gmail.com as well as our twitter you can shoot us a tweet at lawyeruppodcast and as well you can go to our website lawyeruppodcast.com including subscribing to our iTunes oh, that's right. and Stitcher, because uh, we are now currently on both. Yay! Yes, please subscribe to us on iTunes and, and Stitcher, and leave us a leave us a review. Uh, we would like to know oh. just kind of your opinion on the show. Yeah, I've been checking those reviews, uh, some really nice ones, uh, and then we've got a few, like, one-star reviews, which is fine. I'm perfectly hey. fine with that. But, hey, can you tell us why? So that we can be better for you? 
<laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all we yeah. ask is that if you leave a one star, tell me why. Why you want? We've got thick skin. We're doing these shows I, for you know. I'm so, sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's just my ex girlfriend. <laughs> Nice. Leave I it like one it. stars. So it's it's all good from there. But we, we can take one stars. But you can find me at Jackie Hearn. I'm at Jackie Hearn eighty one on Twitter, or you can go to my website JackieHearn.com to find all of my other shenanigans. What about you, Rick Foster? You can go to at Rick Foster for my Twitter, or you can go to RickFoster.org. Uh, normally, if I'm working on something, uh, it will appear on RickFoster.org as well as you know my Twitter as well. So. I'm not in any legal trouble, but maybe we should next week. Lawyer out. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>